when uh, we are um, invited to look at what uh, we're going to be preaching on. There are these little titles that you have on that spreadsheet. Anyone who's preached at Christchurch knows the spreadsheet that tells you the titles of what you're going to be saying. Hello, Grace, I can hear you. <laughs> um, the title for today is Dangerously Radical. Dangerously Radical. Now, um, I've put that on there. This was sent on our church WhatsApp group, church staff team WhatsApp group, um, and has been churning in my head for three or four days. It's an incredible little thing there. And I, I'm going to leave that there for the duration of the, of the uh, service. And if, if you're not on the St. Albans WhatsApp group, um, see Amanda here. And uh, sorry, I forgot your name there. That's harsh. Um, it's rude, actually. Um, and uh, I'll post that on the St. Albans WhatsApp group for you to have for yourselves. Now, I want to tell you, first and foremost, that this sermon here is for me also. And I can't demonstrate that any other way than to tell you a bit of a sad story. Yeah? It's, it's a bit of a sad story. It has a bit of a sad ending. But I'm a hopeful guy. So my prayers are hopeful and I'm still optimistic that the story ends well. But I, there's no way for me in this life to know that it ends well. My little girl on uh, Christmas Day decided she was going to taste a broken bauble. Yeah, so she took a, a bauble, I, th I think it was broken or something, and just quickly yammed a piece. Um, so Anfiana, we rushed to the baby and like nudged her to the side. I was like, she's going to sick a lot of it out. So I tried my hardest to get, get bits out of her mouth and stuff. And thankfully, she'd eaten a substantial amount. That girl can eat. I, I, let's put it this way. Pound for pound, she eats more than me, which is something. She's saying something. I cannot eat as much as she does. She, she's, she feasts. So that helped because some of the food came out and pushed some of the glass out. But we still had to take her to A&E. So I was still in Vicar Garbs, as you do, because I'd just done a Christmas service. I hadn't had a chance to change. Yeah. So quickly put the coat on, got in the car, drove to the hospital, got to the hospital, A&E. If you want to be seen very quickly at A&E, take a Vicar with you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like it was, it was ridiculous. So, so you know, we get there, we're seen to, you know, we sit in this place. It's like, oh, yeah, I passed that. Oh, yeah, 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 all that stuff moved me forward. And I'm like, yes, Grace is going to be seen. We find ourselves in the bit that is A and E, especially for kids. Yeah, now Grace is fine. She's she's chilling. She's she's like looking at the fish swimming in the little aquarium, running around doing the thing. Um, this lady, very distraught, walks in and sits next to me, just like a few paces just over there. And she's, she's literally, uh, she's, she's going. Like, I, can, I can see that she's really distraught. And um, phone rings, she picks it up. She has a conversation. And I can't help but eavesdrop because she's right next to me. It's like, if my ears had an off switch, I'd, I'd do it. And um, while she's talking, I can feel God saying to me, I've sent you here to do something. I can literally feel it. Dennis, I've sent you here to do something. But at the same time, I'm confident of God's sending me. Fear is rising within me. Fear is rising within me. And the conversation is about this baby who um, went to sleep more than 24 hours before. And nothing is waking the child up. And as she's talking, I see the stretcher being rolled across um, with the baby going into one of the rooms. At this point, and I don't know, that's what I said, I don't know the end of the story. The child was alive, but not awake. 
And uh, the doctors are following the dad. She sees the dad, she gets up and she goes. So I'm thinking, what's going on here? And I'm like, God, okay, if you want me to do something, get to confirm that stuff. You can't like just send me into the deep just like that. Do you see what I mean? This is, if you've read the story of Gideon, this was me being Gideon. Like, okay, show me another thing and then I will go. Yeah, show me another thing and then I will go. So I'm, I'm there sitting with Grace and waiting. The lady comes back in, sits next to me. Do you see, I'm like, Phew. okay, I thought I got away with this. No? So I turn to her and I say, hi, um, what's, your, what's your son's name so I can pray for him? As soon as, soon as she says that, as soon as she tells me the child's name, I know deep down within that I'm not supposed to just sit here and pray from here. I know it, absolutely. But fear has risen so much, so much, that to my shame and to my heartbreak, I, I don't get up from my seat. I say to her, I'm going to pray for your son. And I sit there and I pray quietly. And she gets up and she goes. I get called in with Grace. Grace gets seen to. I'm thinking, okay, Dennis, you've, you've, you've really shanked this. If she's still here when you get out, you have to go. Because there's, on this earth, you're here to be dangerously radical. You need to go into that room and you need to speak life into this child. I come out, the lady's nowhere to be seen. Grace is okay. They discharge us. I'm pushing Grace on the buggy back to the car. My heart is broken. Because now I, there's no way for me to know to this day what happened to that child. There's no way for me to know. What I'm. <laughs> Great feedback. <laughs> what I'm left with is this sense that God was calling me to something. I had the authority, he had the power, but I lacked the character. And the outcome of that was paralysis. Are you with me? So this sermon today, I kid you not, everything I'm going to say is a challenge to me first. Yeah? So I'm, I'm not hiding from this. It's a challenge to me. And hopefully, if I encounter a situation like that, what I'm going to say to you now is going to be what will give me the courage to do different. Yeah? Okay, so a few words I said there. The first word I said was what? Power. Second word I said was authority. Third word I said was character. Yeah? We've all encountered situations where someone has the power and the authority to act, and they don't. Yeah? And if, if we doubt that we all contribute to this, that we have more wealth than the world needs. There shouldn't be anybody poor on this earth, but we have many poor on this earth. So there is power and there's authority, but there is no character globally. So what? There's paralysis towards the problems that people are facing. Yeah? Are we, do, are we okay on that one, yeah? And then when you encounter situations where people have authority but no power, that's equally frustrating. That's equally frustrating. Ask Theresa May, she'll tell you. She'll tell you incredibly. There's, there's, there's authority, she is the prime minister, but there is no power. Why? Because the power lies elsewhere. And at that point, it doesn't matter her character, there's no fruit. Paralysis. I think I've died again. There we are. And then there's circumstances where uh, there is character and power, but no authority. So someone is able to do something, has the power to do something, but they're not authorized to do anything. So they have to sit and wait, which is really frustrating also. 
and you can you can many doctors will experience that where they can they, they have the power to act over something but because of restrictions they can't do anything uh, many parents will experience that schools will experience that where there's actually boundaries rightly and wrongly sometimes that mean you can't act on someone's behalf because you don't have the authority to act on their behalf even if you know that what you're going to do what you can do is good and then what happens paralysis paralysis now dangerously radical requires that we understand that we have the power the authority and should have the character that would make us act in a way that will be fruitful rather than not and be paralyzed that is the basic thesis of all I'm going to say now. We have the power and the authority and should have the character to act so that there is no paralysis but good fruit. But good fruit. Why am I saying that? Okay. First, I need to point something out, which is we are the luckiest people in God's timeline like up to this point. When Isaiah was uh, writing about Emmanuel, he was talking about a future time when God is gonna walk the earth. He was writing about renewal that was to come. He was thinking future-wise. When John the Baptist, when John the Baptist was saying, repent, the kingdom of God is near, he was talking about a present time, but he was also pointing towards something else. When Joel was talking about, I will pour my spirit on all flesh, your, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will have visions. I don't know if I've quoted that right, but he was pointing towards a future time. They were still in exile, so it wasn't present to them. It was a hope. Yeah? When the disciples walked with Jesus, they encountered something specific and special. But even that didn't compare to the adventures that they went on in the book of Acts going forward. Yeah? They were persecuted incredibly over the years. It took them three or four years to overturn the Roman Empire without lifting a sword. We live in a time when God has, in his plan, wanted to live in human beings as his temples wanted to dwell in their hearts, wanted to give them access to the power that created the universe, wanted to authorize them like he did in the beginning to be a blessing to the cosmos, and wanted to send them out in the power of his Holy Spirit to live and work to his praise and glory. That was his plan all along. Now, how many of those things are still waiting to be checked? None of them, why? Because Jesus died, he rose again, he ascended, and what did he say? Wait, I will send you the Holy Spirit. Are we still waiting for the Holy Spirit? No, the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit is here. He's moving and he's authorizing people. The same spirit that was over the waters in the beginning is moving now, present to us. So do we lack power? No, actually. In the scheme of history, you are better off than the prophet Isaiah. In the scheme of history, you have been authorized by Jesus, who says what? Go out into all the nations and, Matthew 28, 
Go do stuff. Kingdom stuff. You've been authorized. So then what's the stumbling block? Character. Character. Well, what do I mean by character? The difference between good character and bad character in this instance is faith. And I'm speaking to myself first. So I'm not standing here saying you're faithless. I'm saying to you, when that lady was standing next to me, what came up higher than anything else was fear instead of faith. And the difference between me being someone of good character, I say God character, and someone of not God character, was I chose to live in fear and not in faith. And that was the difference between being dangerously radical and just being a nice, lovely chap with a dog collar sitting in a hospital waiting room. Uh, I, I, I kid you not, I'm speaking from the place of being heartbroken at the fact that I'm wearing this and I couldn't do that. Yeah? So this is an invitation for all of us to march towards something different. Character. Character. Jesus comes back into Capernaum. They all know what he did when he was there before. They, they all gather to hear what he's going to say next. And they're all sort of, yeah, this guy, he did loads of incredible stuff. What's up? Let's do this. He's here. Let's listen to what he's got to say. And um, while he's preaching, uh, four guys of good character. I'm assuming there were four. It could have been two. You know, I'm assuming there were four. To lower someone, you, you need more than two. Uh, unless they're sort of a light person. You know, generally, you need more than two. Um, I say this having done funerals and seen that you need more than three on each side to sort of carry someone when they've got dead weight. So these four guys see an opportunity. They see access to power, access to authority, access to something that will change. And what do they do? They embrace the call to have access to that power. They take the authority. And what do they do? They go on top of the roof. They don't wait for permission. They take authority. They open the roof. What do they do? They act on the power that they have. They lower their friend. And they bring him all the way down to where Jesus is. So these guys have demonstrated something about when power, authority, and character combine already before Jesus does anything. They've said something about what's possible. They bring the man down there. Jesus sees him. Jesus says to him, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. That's a very odd way to start a conversation with someone who needs healing from paralysis. It's a very odd way. And it's not like Jesus hasn't done things like this for other people. There's the man who was lame and he says to him, you know, get up and go, you know. The one who's at the well, he says to him, just go do your thing, you know. Uh, there's no, this is very strange. He says, ah, your sins are forgiven. Now, is he saying this man has done many wrong things, that's why he is paralyzed? I'm just, I'm just wondering, musing out here. My hunch is, one, sin is a thing we, we misunderstand very easily, and it changes how we view God and how we view ourselves. So, if the well of power is here, and you opt to be here, you are powerless. Yeah. If the king of the universe is here, 
with his hands open wide waiting for an embrace, for that magic moment where you receive all that he has for you, and you are over here doing this, you are powerless. Sin separates us from God. But there's an element to sin which is also the difference between us and God, which is nothing to do with anything we do. He is God and we are dust of the earth. Already before we even try to do anything, he has to act on our behalf. So there is that gap that's already there that needs to be bridged for us to be active, for us to have life. So two layers going on here. One is the connection with the Father, and the other one is the secondary connection with the Father, which is active from someone. When Jesus comes and he says, your sins are forgiven, one, he's saying, I am over here, and I can brush away the things that are in the way for you, and actually, I have done that. So if you're over here, and you're thinking, oh, I feel too crappy to move. Oh, I'm afraid of what it would be like to actually fold myself into the arms of a living, loving God. That's actually quite scary. Um, I'm afraid of what it would mean to change my life in accordance with what Jesus is asking. That's quite scary. I actually don't want Jesus to decide what my life's going to be like because there's so many things that I stand to lose. These are all things that are in the way. Jesus is over here. What's he saying? On that side of the coin, there is no power. And so you're paralyzed. Now, I am saying to you, I have the power to wash away the things that are in the way so that you have access and you no longer be paralyzed because you have access to power. Mark has specifically put these passages at the beginning to tell us who Jesus is. Because one of the misnomers that I face whenever I'm talking to people about Jesus is they, they doubt whether he rose from the dead. They doubt all these things about him. They know he's a historical figure, but they doubt these things. And the power is an important thing to connect Jesus with the claims that he made about himself. If he just kind of was a nice guy like Mother Teresa, he'd just be Mother Teresa. But he does some stuff here that sets him apart. So when he says, your sins are forgiven, what he's saying is, I am God, I can forgive sins. And healing comes when the things that are in the way of that relationship with God are washed out of the way. Forgiveness and healing are a move of the same God towards the circumstance of the person that he's encountering. So when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, he's saying, I am God and I am coming to you. What happens in the room? Who is this guy that he can forgive sins? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? So what does Jesus say? You understand power being applied in a different way from what I'm saying. So I'm going to say in a way that you get it. This is the grace and the love of God. Get up your mat and roll out. If it's going to take me talking simple stuff to you, then I'll talk simple stuff to you. Okay, get up, take your mat, go home. And what does the man do? He has received power. He has been authorized to act. So what does he do? Having heard that his sins are forgiven, having heard that he's been given power and authority, he acts. 
Can you enter the space of this man? What is it going to take for you, if you've been paralyzed for, for, for a while, to hear what this strange guy is saying, who they've lowered you through the roof, and then to get up and move? Is it an easy thing to do? I don't think so. I think we're entering the space where you see the faith of the four friends, and then you begin to see the faith of the paralyzed man, because he has to be dangerously radical to embrace what he's being told and even try. And even try. So if this man who's paralyzed can get up, fold his mat, and roll out, I should be able to pray for that kid. You should be able to talk to your brother or sister or mother or, or father or a strange relative. We should be able to be people who proclaim reconciliation and love. We should be the people who can say to someone, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Why? Because the power, the same power that rose him from the dead is in us. The same authority that's been given to him, he has passed on to us and said, now go. Said, now go. The only problem is character. And this is where I'm going to stop. Character doesn't change without one thing. If, if you don't do this one thing, character won't change. And this one thing is repentance. This one thing is repentance. Um, there's no other way to, to put it. In the universe, the cosmos, there is only one throne. There's not two, there's not three. There's just one. There's just one. And that throne is God's. And that throne cannot be overcome. Why? Because it is God's. So if we try to place ourselves on that throne, we will lose. That's just the reality of it. We will lose. Why? Because the very throne we're attacking is the throne of the person who gives us breath. How can you beat the person who keeps you alive? It doesn't work. So not repenting is a nonsense. Repenting is just as easy as breathing in because it's accepting the connection with the source of life. It's saying, here, I'm holding my breath and I'm dying. I'm dying because I, I am covered in fear. I lack the confidence to do stuff. I've lost my way. I've forgotten whose I am. I've forgotten what he's called me to do. I've forgotten that I am loved, accepted, valued. I've forgotten that I'm a Christian because I am being loved by God. I am continuously being loved and I'm being loved by this God and I'm being loved by God. I've forgotten these things. Father, connect me again because away from that knowledge, I am paralyzed. I am paralyzed. Bring me back to you. Bring me back to you. I can't do that for you. No one can. In the same way, no one can breathe for you. No one can inhale grace for you. No one can kneel before the throne of heaven for you. You have to do it. It's your work. And so, if that character change is something that you want, now's the time. I'm going to finish talking because I could talk forever. 
Ask my wife, she'll tell you. Um, but the more important conversation is the one you're going to have with the God who has shown and demonstrated that he loves you enough to give you his power. Is that okay? Let's stand together. I'm going to ask the band guys to come up. And um, all they're going to do is lead us in worship again. The good thing about worship is it's all about turning back to see this God who loves you. Um, if something I have said today has triggered God in you, um, I'd, I'd love you to just in this time uh, fan that into flame, make the fire bigger. Because God might want to do something incredible in your life. And I, I'm putting the invitation out here for you to first just say, Jesus, um, can you be Lord of my life again? I've lost my way. Bring me back to you, Lord God. If um, coming before God is hard because of something that you've done, perhaps, or, or said, or thought, or felt, or held on to, um, now is the time to just say, I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've done said, thought, or held on to. I want to breathe your life again. And it may be that you've encountered situations like me where you were called to act in faith, but acted in fear. And this is for both of us. The sense I've got is that God wants to um, just say those words Jesus said to the paralyzed man and free us from the paralysis of fear. And these are the words, your sins are forgiven. And we sang earlier, you're no longer a slave to fear. You'll rear his head, but you're a child of God. The last, the last batch is um, those who um, can sense the call of God to act in authority. Authority in forgiving, in reconciliation, in healing, in preaching, in ministering in different ways. And, um, I would love to pray with you. So um, as, as the service, when it does, grows to an end, uh, do come to the front here and um, uh, let, let us pray together. But right now, respond to God in worship. Father, thank you for who you are. I pray that you're present to your people. In your mighty name.